to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and this is part of the Stoppage Time Soccer Show uh, podcasting network here. We are going to be talking uh, all about MLS playoffs. We're going to talk a little U.S. men's abroad. And uh, we're going to talk the, uh, the roster that was released for the U.S. men's team and the changes to the World Cup qualifying schedule for 2022. So got a quite a quite a packed uh, game here, uh, I mean show here. So we'll get uh, into it here. Um, let's see. Let's let's start with. Uh, ooh, what should we start with? I think we're gonna go ahead and start with the squad for the U.S. men's. Team, uh, the game is on the 9th against El Salvador. That's on Wednesday. We'll be talking about that as well. We got Brendan Aronson from the Philadelphia Union called up as a midfielder. Uh, Akinola, Io Akinola from uh, Toronto called up as well as a forward. Efren Alvarez. Uh, he is a uh, dual national, also plays for Mexico. So he's uh, called up as a forward. Um, Julian Araujo uh, caught up here. Uh, Paul Areola. Uh, Cole Bassett uh, in the midfield there. CJ Dos Santos for goalkeeper. Daryl DK from the uh, Orlando City uh, starting a, a caught up for a forward. Kyle Duncan as a defender. Marco Farfan as a defender. Bill Hamid from DC United. Uh, he's had seven appearances for the U.S. men's team. Uh, he is the goalkeeper. He'll be probably one of the ones starting. Uh, I, I would think he'd be the starter of the of the match. Sebastian Legette in. He was just in the last camp as well. Aaron Long from the Red Bulls called in here. Mark McKenzie from the Philadelphia Union called in as another defender. Uh, DeJorde Mihalovic, uh called in as a forward from Chicago um, alright and we have uh, Chris Mueller from uh, Orlando City as well called in here David Ochoa goalkeeper uh, Andres Pereira from Orlando City uh, as well Marcina, uh, Mauricio Pineda called in here as a defender Sam Vines a defender called in Jackson Ewell 
is called in and Walker Zimmerman. Definitely uh, thinking that a Mark McKenzie, Walker Zimmerman is probably a really good chance for a starting pair, though. Uh, I could also see Aaron Long, even though he did not have a great season this year. I think up top you're probably going to have to have uh, uh, you're going to have to go ahead and probably have um, uh, well it, it changes here. I was going to say Daryl DK and I'd love to see him start, but Sebastian Soto actually just got added to the camp today. Uh, so he made his debut in the six to two win over Panama. He scored uh, you know a goal. Um, and uh, actually two goals, sorry. And he will be, he was called in replacing, um, I know that we had some players missing some time for uh, for COVID reasons. So it looks like um, he's going to be jumping in for that uh, reason. It doesn't say here in the article who he was called in to replace, unless if I'm missing it here, but... Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, just some notable things here. C.J. Dos Santos, goalkeeper, is from, you know, he plays his club uh, at Benfica. D uh, D.C. United is Bill Hamid. Uh, Marcin Kowski from the Earthquakes is, uh, those are the three goalkeepers we have here. Um, let's see, I'm wondering if any other standouts here. This is all pretty much an MLS-based camp except for C.J. Dos Santos and uh, Sebastian Soto. Everybody else here is from MLS, so that's what this camp was supposed to be for, so uh, to be expected. So anybody that was going to be upset about that, we kind of knew that ahead of time. This game's going to be at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday, December 9th, and that's on ESPN. So watch that for sure. Um, and uh, also talking the men's team here, the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifying schedule has changed. So, uh, right now we don't have you know all of the uh, all of the team names that would be playing, but September 2021 is now going to have three games. It's going to have the AF winner, the A slash F winner. Uh, that's whatever group winner there versus USA then USA versus B and E winner and then Honduras versus uh, versus is that Honduras yeah Honduras on September as well so we have three um, games in the September block we have three in the October block there USA versus Jamaica the C slash D winner versus uh, USA USA versus Costa Rica uh, those are the October games. Then in November, we have, of next year, uh, USA versus Mexico. Um, and Jamaica versus uh, USA, again. Uh, then we have USA versus AF, AF winner. That's January 2022. B and E winner versus USA. That's January 2022 as well. USA versus Honduras, January 2022. Then in March, we're going to have... Uh, three matches again: Mexico versus USA, Mexico uh, USA versus C and D winner, Costa Rica versus America. So that's fourteen matches in those blocks. Usually we have you know two uh, two games during a window. We're gonna have three now, so we'll see how that all plays out. 
if you're curious, uh, we would face either the A or F winner. Um, Group A has El Salvador, Antigua and Barbuda, Grenada, Montserrat, U.S. Virgin Islands. Group F has Trinidad, Tobago, Saint Kitts and Nevis, Guyana, uh, Puerto Rico, and Bahamas. The other ones were either C and D or B and E. So if we look at C and D, you got Curacao, uh, Guatemala, Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, Cuba, British Virgin Islands. Group D has Panama, Dominican Republic, Barbados, Dominica, and Guia. Uh, then we have in B, Canada, Suriname, uh, Bermuda, Cayman Islands, Aruba. And Group E, Haiti, Nicaragua, uh, Belize, St. Lucia, Turks and Caicos. So, uh, you know, you can either have a really, really good uh, group or you can have a very uh, tough group, uh, you know, very tough matches up. That it's going to be a tough fight anyway, um, but you know, I'm expecting Canada to do well now with Alfonso Davies and all the youth that's coming up in Canada as well. Canada should be able to get out of Canada, Suriname, and Bermuda, Cayman Islands, Aruba group. You know, we want to kind of avoid Trinidad and Tobago after that, uh, you know, 2018 issue, but you know, some people might want revenge on that instead. So we'll update those once we get through those group stages. Uh, the group stages are going to be taking uh, part in March and uh, t June 2021. So March of next year and, 2020 and June of next year is supposed to have um, those matches. Moving on, we did have some Americans abroad this Weekend playing a lot and a few of them scoring. We had Christian Pulisic scoring in stoppage time, assisted by Timo Werner to make it 3 1. Chelsea beats Leeds. And actually, with that, Christian Pulisic is the fastest American to 10 EPL goals. Um, yeah, let's see who the, uh, the other one would have been here. Uh, when we look at. Games played to 10 goals. It took 30 games for Pulisic. Uh, Clint Dempsey took 62 games to get to 10 goals. And he had 57 of those. Roy v uh, Vegaro, uh, v Vegaro I, can't, I don't know how to say that, uh, had 49 games till he got to 10 goals. He was 29 years old. At that point, that was in 1994. Brian McBride had 50 games to get to 10 goals and he finished with 36 Premier League goals. He was 32 years old though when he reached 10 goals. So Pulisic only 22 if he stays in the um, if he stays in the Premier League, if he doesn't jump to another league, he's going to absolutely crush uh, some of these records here for like he's, he would easily surpass Clint Dempsey's uh, I would I would think. Uh, we also had, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Robinson playing against Manchester City uh, for Fulham. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. There was no Tim Ream today. Uh, we did also have uh, Giovanni Reina score 56 minutes in to equalize for Dortmund against Frankfurt. 
And that's how that match finished. So without that goal from Gio, which was outside the box, great finish, uh, then he then then Dortmund would not have gotten any points. When we look at the next match, Bayern Munich versus RB Leipzig, we had uh, uh, Tyler Adams came into the match, and so did Chris Richards. Chris Richards came in in the 84th minute. While Tyler Adams, oh Tyler Adams started the game, good time, good times there. Uh, if we look at Juventus, Weston McKinney scored today as well, and that's put Juve in third place. Uh, AC Milan and Inter Milan are above them. Juventus actually won the game as well, but Weston McKinney's goal was 78 minutes in, and it was an equalizer after they went down nine minutes in to Torino. So, a uh, great result for West McKinney. He was off a corner, headed into the, or a free kick, headed in uh, by McKinney. Moving on to those MLS playoffs that we were talking about uh, the past few weeks here. Orlando City kicked it off against New England Revolution, and just like it was with the Union. And the Revs. The Revs take an early 2-0 lead. 17 minutes in, it's a penalty. Carlos uh, Gill uh, or Hill uh, scores the penalty. 17 minutes in, makes it 1-0. Gustavo Bo makes it 2-0. 25 minutes in. Junior Urso gets a goal 33 minutes in to make it 2-1. Um, for Orlando, we get to halftime. They're down 2-1. Then 60 minutes in, it's a red card for Mauricio uh, Pereira, which was actually very deserved. I know it was kind of a tough, a tough look there uh, live, but when you really look at it, it was it was studs up, it was a slide, it was late, it was everything that you're not supposed to do there. Um, as he takes out Matt Polster, uh, he gets a red card, and Orlando did not handle this well at all. Nani actually grabbed the ref numerous times. Players were up in uh, the ref's faces, uh, and MLS announced some disciplinary action here. But the odd thing is, it, I guess I don't know if you know if, if it's really odd or not when you talk about favoritism. But it does seem like uh, Nani escaped without having any repercussions here. He did get a yellow card, maybe because he's the captain. They didn't discipline him. But you should not be grabbing players, players or refs. You know, and once you touch a ref, it's it's very hard to push that aside. So it was. Uh, Unfortunate. A lot of players, uh, I believe, got fined and, and stuff like that. But it was uh, not great. Not great at all. So, moving on to the next game here. We had uh, Columbus versus Nashville. Nashville hung so tough into this game, but at 99th minute, Santos scores, assisted by Jassy Zardes, as they went extra time, and then 103rd minute, Jassy Zardes scores to make it 2-0. Uh, 
wins man of the match, does Zardes, and uh, they keep on moving on. It was unfortunate for Nashville, but uh, unfortunately that's the way it went. Um, just uh, some, some bad luck for Nashville there. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, ver- oh, before you get there, Seattle versus FC Dallas. This match was on Tuesday, 49 minutes in. Shane O'Neill scores for Seattle. Uh, it was pretty even game in possession, but Dallas had no shots at all, while uh, Seattle had 14. Seattle get out of that trap game, I guess, with a 1-0 win, and they get into the next round of the playoffs. Oh, also, talking about that Orlando game, Nani did miss a penalty as well. There was a penalty called. He steps up. It was an awfully shot penalty. Nice save, I guess, but, you know, um, I forgot to mention that. Um, I forgot to mention the Gustavo Bow 3-1 to, to seal it 86 minutes in, but, you know, you can't complain if you're Orlando. You had the shot. You missed it. Uh, Seattle get through one nothing, and looking at Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota United, which I forget how I what I said about this game in the uh, in the preview, but I kind of thought this one could go either way. I think I probably sided with Sporting because they had a better head to head record, but. Man, this this was a crazy game. 27 minutes in, Kevin Molino scores, make it one nothing. Then less than 10 minutes later, Kevin Molino scores again to make it two nothing. And then uh, Debassi scores 39 minutes in to make it three nil. And that was it. That was over at that point. If you look at stats, uh, Sporting had more shots. Minnesota had less shots, but you know they had the the more shots on target and the more goals converted. So that's all that really matters. So coming up tomorrow night, Sunday, December 6th, at 3 p.m., it's Columbus versus New England Revolution in the Eastern Conference Final. And then on Monday, December 7th, at 9.30, we have Seattle versus Minnesota United in the Western Conference Final. So I'm going to go ahead and say I think New England keeps their momentum and gets through, and I think Seattle beats Minnesota, and we have a Seattle versus New England Final. Uh, we'll see if that actually comes true. Minnesota's in good form as well, but I, I think with Seattle, with Rowie Rui Diaz, Nicholas Ladero, Jordan Morris, are going to have a little bit more to get over that end Stephen Fry and goal. I think they'll be the better team to get over Minnesota. With the Revs, they're healthy. They're, they're getting it all going at the right time, and I think they have that underdog mentality as being the eight seed. Um, which, as those people have probably stated and pointed out correctly, that they're not the eight seed if they had had their players healthy the whole time. They're a better team than that. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. We did also have some big news before we go here um, that happened over the course of the week here, after, you know, in between these games and stuff. We had uh, Greg Vanny step down as Toronto's uh, manager. You know, when he got there, he turned them around. Uh, he, he turned them around. When he got there, they were not a great team, right? They had great fans, and people would always kind of make the joke that Toronto would never, you know, they never made the playoffs even at, at, at certain points. Um, 
yeah, they had missed the playoffs in each of their first eight seasons. Uh, you know, in 2017, he wins the MLS Cup, the Supporters' Shield, the Canadian Championship. You know, they've been to uh, two other MLS Cup finals, as well as a CONCACAF Champions League final that they lost to in penalties against Chivas, uh, which would have put them as the first MLS club to win that trophy, which, you know, a lot of teams have gotten close. So Greg Vanny came in on a team that was not performing well, uh, after giving them some time, he's been with them for twenty since 2013, seven years. He was able to turn them around and make them, by 2017, that, that juggernaut that they started becoming. Uh, so it was, uh, and by 2016, really, because that was the year that they, I think, um, you know, they lost to Seattle originally. Um, most people think he's going to L.A., and I can totally see that. I think he would be a great fit for L.A. He can go to L.A. Galaxy, hopefully turn them around. Um, he'll be a much better option. And he's a former Galaxy player, so he has ties to the Galaxy. And I think that's what you have to kind of look at, unless if some other team is going to try to poach him. Uh, Dom Dwyer is now entering free agency as his Orlando City contract expires. Uh you know, it was, it was a big, big switch from SKC to Orlando in 2017. It paid like, it was a deal that could have been worth 1.6 million dollars, uh, but he did manage 24 goals and nine assists in his 67 appearances. But he just only made two appearances this season due to a knee injury, and he's had, you know quite a tough time recently he, he never kind of lived up to what his tenure could have been in Orlando you know Orlando really wanted him because he played with them when they were a USL team and he was on loan from sporting Kansas City then and uh, he just never lived up to it in in Orlando unfortunately whether due to injury or just sometimes his hothead uh, but he is now a free agent, and we'll see where he goes. As we know, as we talked about on here, Ben Olsen was fired from D.C. United. Chris Armas, the former New York Red Bulls manager, is apparently the frontrunner, according to Stephen Goff of the Washington Post. Um, so, you know, he has a 29 win, 21 loss, 11 draw record as his time as a head coach in MLS. He does have a Supporter Shield title from the Red Bulls as well. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, another interesting thing, actually, in this manager game of musical chairs, Greg Vanny leaves Toronto, Ben Olsen left D.C., Armis had left Red Bulls earlier. Well, now we have the rumor, or I guess... As Pablo Maurer puts on Twitter, sources on both sides of the border tell him that former head coach of DC United is on Toronto FC's list of potential candidates. And, which is weird. We had heard before that Olsen was keeping some sort of job in the organization uh, originally of DC, so we don't know how that's going to go. But now, this is a huge downgrade if you're Toronto. If I'm Toronto fan, I do not want Ben Olsen in. Yes, he had had some success at D.C., but it would be very 
fluctuating. All they won was the 2013 U.S. Open Cup. He did win the Coach of the Year in 2014. But it was very, like, good one year, bad the next. Good one year, bad the next. It, it never was very consistent from Ben Olsen. And I, if he goes to Toronto, then I don't think this Toronto team is going to be as good. Maybe, though, he just needs those pieces. Maybe Toronto can set him up better than D.C., you know, when they had Rooney and Acosta at D.C., they were good. When they left, they were bad. Very bad this year. So we'll see how that plays out, I guess. But if I'm a Toronto fan, I would not want Ben Olsen there. Uh, you know, my dad's a D.C. United fan. He's been wanting Ben Olsen out for, I don't know, nine of the ten years that he was the head coach there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but... Uh, that this would be a huge failure on Toronto's part. I think you have a good team. You have a chance to bring in an experienced head coach that actually wins. Um, there's better out there than Ben Olsen, unfortunately, for, for Ben Olsen. Atlanta United also have a manager vacancy, and they are one step away, for, uh, according to Cesar Luis Merlo on Twitter. Uh, one month, uh, one step away from landing Gabriel Hines as their next head coach. Um, he was in charge of Velez Sarsfield for three years and chose to depart after the 2019-2020 season. He's also played, uh, he's also coached, uh, Godoy Cruz, Argentinos Juniors. Uh, he's from Argentina just like Tata Martino was, uh, when, who, who was like the first manager for Atlanta. This might be, uh, without saying anything about, I don't know how Gabriel Hines plays, but if he is similar to style to Tata Martino, this would benefit the Atlanta team much more than Frank DeBoer did, and that you could see Atlanta make a good turnaround next year if this is how it goes. And I guess we'll see if that's how it goes. Um... You know, this manager is only 42 years old, so he's young, he's experienced from, you know, other, uh, uh, he's also a former player, he's played at PSG, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Marseille, AS Roma, he's played for the Argentina national team, we'll see how it goes, but if I'm Atlanta, I'm definitely taking a look at Greg Vanny as well. Uh, but if they already had their eyes set on Gabriel Hines, then that's probably the better option for them if he's going to be tactically alike to Tata Martino. That's the style that they should be trying to go back to because that's what worked for them. Um, but that that's about it. Um, not much else to say. The union did re-sign the Jamaican international Corey Burke to a new contract. Uh, but uh, th th other than that, not a lot of news going on. We haven't heard much about Brian Schmetzer for Seattle. He's out of a contract at the end of this year. We probably won't know much more about that until we get to uh, Seattle being knocked out, that we get that. I, I think Schmetzer is probably the best current coach in MLS. Um, he doesn't get a lot of the credit he should be getting for how well that team has been. They are almost a dynasty at this point. They've been to the final what, uh, three out of the last four seasons, 2016, 2017, 2019, um, 
they won two of those they're in the running right now if they win it this year they would be in four out of the five last four out of the last five finals and at that point it's just ridiculous really um and they're exciting to watch they play good soccer uh smetzer should get a new deal uh, you know he he's seattle through and through he's coached them at the usl level before he's played for them he's he's somebody that's been there for a long time got them their first cup you know back when they let go of ziggy um he got them their first cup he's got them a second cup they are a successful franchise and probably one of the more model franchises in mls currently and uh, he deserves a new contract. So hopefully Seattle and Smetzer get that worked out after the end of the season. But I'm really excited for these games on Sunday and Monday, and I hope you are too. And we will catch you all to break those down uh, after they happen, probably on Tuesday. And then, again, we have that U.S. men's game on Wednesday. We'll talk about that at some point as well. And then on the 12th, that's next Saturday, that's MLS Cup Final on Fox. And we'll be breaking that down um, probably around the 13th or 14th of December. We'll have another episode talking about that. But have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll catch you all next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.